Welcome to Inspiration with Ike. I'm Dr. Ike Reichert, Senior Pastor of Piedmont Church and CEO of Must Ministries. On this podcast, I'll bring you a monthly dose of inspiration in the most important areas of your life. It's my sincere hope that this show will serve as a resource to you and inspire you, helping you to become your personal and professional best. I want to thank you for joining us today on this podcast. And speaking of which, I love podcasts. They're such an incredible tool to be able to help us gain insights from some of the brightest minds around the world. And I love tuning into my favorite podcast, sometimes when I'm going for a walk and sometimes when I'm driving in my car. It's just a great way to be able to redeem a commute by stretching our minds and gaining new perspectives. And I'm honored that you've taken time today to listen to this podcast. Now, as much as I love podcasts, there's no better way to learn and to grow than to read. Did you know that 33% of our fellow Americans have never read another book in their entire lives once they graduate from high school? That's such a sad statistic. Centuries of incredible wisdom and compelling stories are available to each of us every day. And if we want to become our personal and professional best, then we need to be lifelong learners. And if we want to be leaders, then we sure need to be readers. In this episode, I'll share the top five books that have had the most impact on my life. And I hope that you'll be encouraged to check out some of the titles, but even more than that, I hope that it spurs you on to recommit to reading. I promise you, you're gonna be better in every aspect of your life if you take the time to continually grow and to learn, and there's no better way to do that than to read. This is Inspiration with Ice. Well, I hope you're having a good day today. I know I certainly am, and I'm so excited about talking to you today about something that I'm passionate about, and I'm passionate about reading. I'm passionate about books because I know that books have helped to change my life. So I wanna tell you about that today. I wanna just tell you some of the books and why that particular book really meant a lot to me and how God used it in my life to be able to help formulate who I am today. So I truly believe that every leader is a reader. Now, not every reader necessarily is a leader, but I do believe that leaders have to read in order to be able to keep up with what's going on in our world today, uh, to be able to grow personally, because the people that I know that are the happiest and the most fulfilled are people that are continually, con uh, continuation of being able to really study and really grow. I had a hard time saying that, but you know my heart on it. So I love it when people are growing in their life. And so for me, the area where I can grow the most is through reading. Now, listen, I love podcasts. I have all of my different podcasts that I love to listen to, whether it's Malcolm Gladwell uh, on Revisionist History or whether it's any other number of podcasts that I tune into. And hopefully, Inspiration with I is one of those for you that are listening today, just to be able to give you someone else's perspective. And one of those great philosophers from generations uh, gone by 
was named Rene Descartes. He's the guy that said, I think, therefore I am. And Rene Descartes, all of those centuries ago said, the reading of good books is like a conversation with the finest minds from other centuries. And imagine now we're reading his word and it's been centuries since he lived. And he was saying the way that I've grown as a philosopher is that I've been able to read some of the finest minds that came before me. So what it gives us the opportunity to do is it gives us the opportunity to be able to learn from other people's thinking. And it gives us an opportunity to be able to come into their process. As a matter of fact, this may sound odd when I say it, but I think that one of the greatest ways to develop empathy in your own life is by reading. Because when you're reading someone else's book, you're stepping into their life. You're stepping into their thought process and you're going to be able to learn from them and you're going to be able to get in distilled fashion the best thinking that they have going on. So again, reading for me is one of those things that's as natural as breathing. And even as a child, growing up in a home with parents who had a fifth grade education, I found out that they really believed in reading themselves. And so because of their reading, I can remember every summer, I couldn't wait to get something called the weekly reader. And that weekly reader was just a digest of different stories that would catch the attention of children. And so I had my weekly reader. Also in my neighborhood, we had the bookmobile. I don't know if you grew up in a neighborhood where you had the bookmobile, but I'm growing up in inner city Atlanta. And so we would have this bookmobile that would come to our local recreation center to Knight Park. And I can remember, couldn't wait to walk up on that bus. It was a big fat green bus. And you would go on there and there was just this plethora of books that were there. And you could only check out a couple at a time. And so I would always be really excited about being able to get those books. And one day the lady who ran the bookmobile said something to me that just really captivated my heart in my mind. Now remember, I'm growing up in inner city Atlanta with parents who have a fifth grade education. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I, uh, when you read, you're going to be able to go places that you would have never been able to go before. And as I thought about what she told me, that was really true. Because when you read, there's something about being able to transport yourself whether it's reading books that are about travel uh, and then them spurring you to actually doing the travel. Uh, there's just a lot of connections. One of my very favorite motivational speakers some years gone by was a man named Charlie Tremendous Jones. And Charlie Tremendous Jones would always start by saying, life is tremendous, thus his name. And he had a quote that I just loved. He, he said that the people you meet and the books you read are gonna be the two factors that are gonna impact your life more than anything else after you finish your formal education. Now, whether you were finishing your formal education in high school or whether you were finishing your formal education in college, he was saying the two biggest factors in your life are gonna be those people that you meet. And you know, I'm continually telling people how important it is 
Now, to meet people in your life that can sharpen you, that can help you to be better than you are right now. And it's important that we have those kinds of relationships. But what about when you're meeting people that you would never have the opportunity to meet because they've already died, they've already passed from this earth? Well, one of the ways you can do that is by being able to go and to get the books that they've written. So Charlie Tremendous Jones, again, his theory was, and I'm going to add one more step to it, that the people you meet and the books you read are going to influence your life more than anything else after you finished your formal education. But here's where I add a third. It's not only the people you meet and the books that you read, but the places that you travel to. There's something about traveling that just opens up your mind and opens up your heart. And again, maybe you can't travel to those places right now. I read a fascinating article last night that talked about this underwater um, petrified forest that's been found off of the coast of Wales. And uh, it went into the whole story about how this was a part of legend. And it's been a legendary place that supposedly existed. Now, because of some of the climate change issues and storms being more powerful, they've uncovered this area. And now they're going in and they're examining it to see are some of the folk tales that they thought were folk tales, are they truly lore or are they the truth? And so reading that article was so much fun. So then I immediately reached out to one of my friends, uh, a pastor named Dr. Reese Stenner, and I reached out to Reese and I sent him that article because I've had the privilege to travel to Wells before with Reese and to be able to go there with someone that lived in that country. So all of that to say that books have a way of triggering things in your life. Then once you've traveled to a place, you love to be able to read books about it. Just about everything I can get my hands on about the Middle East and about Israel in particular, I love to be able to read because I've traveled there so many different times. But books are the things that unlocked it first. So let me ask you in these days of pandemic, as you're thinking about the future out there when things might return back to a more normal state where you can travel more freely, where would be some place that you would like to really travel? And then here's what I would tell you to do. Order some great books on that place. And listen, don't just make it nonfiction, make it fictional. We love Hawaii, so we read a lot of books about Hawaii and a lot of books that tell the history of Hawaii and how it was settled and the missionaries that went there and all the different things that have taken place. So reading gives you that opportunity to be able to travel, even if it's just through the pages of a book, but yet to be able to give you information and insight that when you do get to travel one day, that you're going to be able to be ahead of the game, so to speak, when you go there. So it begs the question, here's what I'd love for you to do today. I'd like for you to think about what are like the top five or six books that you've read that have really changed your life? That you, you think about different thoughts that you have, maybe certain philosophies that you have. Like I, I just have certain philosophies that are pillars in my life. And I mean, th those pillars for me are key truths that I really hang on to and I really believe in. And so many times those have evolved 
out of my reading and taking the time uh, you know, to read and to be able to study. And so I'm going to list out for you some of the books that I really love and why in particular I love those books. So you might figure out, of course, if a preacher is talking to you, you know he's going to have to start with the Bible uh, because that book has been such an influence on my life. And, and here's the deal. I didn't grow up around a Bible, and maybe that's one of the reasons that I appreciate it so much. Uh, because I was in my 20s when I first became a person of faith. And even after I became a person of faith, I did not understand what was being said in the Bible. I mean, I just could not figure it out. When you've not grown up in church and you've not been a part of something like that, all of a sudden uh, you, you become a person of faith and you go, well, one of the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to read that Bible from cover to cover. No greater mistake could be made than to think you're just going to jump in and read it cover to cover. What you would want to do is get yourself a reading plan if you're, a, if you're new to the faith. And when you get that reading plan, someone will probably advise you to go to the book of John and start with the book of John and begin to read from there. So when I did become a new believer and I didn't understand the Bible, a young lady named Wendy Clayton, um, gave me for Christmas uh, what was called a New Living Bible. And it's uh, called a paraphrase. It's not a translation, which is more of a word-for-word -word, uh, exchange of thought, but it was something that was a paraphrase. And that paraphrase read more like a novel. Today, the book that I would tell you to go out and to get that would do this for you uh, is called The Message. And Eugene Peterson put that together, and it is a fascinating way to be able to read your Bible because you're going to be able to read it without archaic terms and phrases, and you're going to be able to get a much clearer understanding of what the Bible is saying. So, so many times when I'm in a really hard passage, I might put up on the screen what it says in the New American Standard Version, and then I'll put right beside it the message version because it just explains it in an easier fashion to be able to understand. So maybe you're one of those people that's looking for that opportunity right now uh, to deepen your faith walk, and this would be a great way for you to be able to do that. So uh, the Bible for me uh, is amazing. Now, let me tell you why it's amazing to me. Here's what the Bible is. It's a collection of stories. It's a collection of stories many times about people. Uh, sometimes it's about principles and precepts that we can follow in our life and, and have a better life. But the majority of what you're going to read is you're going to read about stories. And, and you know, a Nobel Prize winning physicist said about six or seven years ago, he made this great statement. He said, I do not think that the universe is held together by atoms anymore. I really think the universe is held together by stories. And so when you read in the Bible, you'll read these different stories that are there. You'll read about what, what are my fundamental principles for me uh, is this, that anytime you have a great vision, you have a great dream that you have and you get excited about it and you're fired up, there's gonna be the birth of that dream, there's gonna be the death of that dream, and then there'll be the rebirth of your dream if you do not give up.
And the story I'd tell you to go read in the Bible about that is you go over to the book of Genesis, you read about a guy named Joseph. What a fascinating story. You, you talk about some things going on in your life. None of the things you have to deal with in your life, uh, family betrayal, I know none of you have ever had to deal with anything like that. Uh, being misunderstood, you know, you, you have a dream and you under, you're trying to understand the dream more fully, but other people take it that you're being uh, narcissistic and you're an egomaniac and they turn against you and then outright betrayal. And then to be lied upon um, by someone that had no reason to lie against you other than the fact that they wanted you to do something that would have moved you out of your own character and you refuse to do it. And when you do what's right, doggone it, everything goes wrong and you end up going to jail. That's the story of the life of Joseph. But and spoiler alert, everything turns out great at the end. And as Joseph looks back at his life, he's able to see how even the most difficult situations that he went through ended up yielding some amazing treasures in his life. Just like what COVID is going to do for many of us. In uh, years to come, we're going to sit back and tell COVID stories. Uh, it's going to be a seminal moment in our lives on March the 15th, basically for most of us, when all of a sudden the earth shifted and things changed greatly. Now, why don't you take that shift that's taken place and find more time to read rather than just watching the television, rather than watching just one more news broadcast that confuses you and depresses you, now, why not take that time to begin a reading program? Again, I was challenged by my dean to be able to read one book a year. But, you know, when people graduate from high school, 33% of those people do not pick up a book again in their lives. And then when people graduate from college, of that group of people, 40% of them say that they no longer pick up a book. So that's staggering to me because real learning, now, now listen, here's a principle. Real learning is never in the hands of learned people. Real power is in the hands of people that are learning. Things are changing. The world is changing. You need to be more knowledgeable and do not just read things that leave you in a comfortable state. Read things that maybe make you feel uncomfortable, that maybe makes you address some things in your life where you have some hidden prejudices or you might have some racism in your background. Most of us do at some point in our lives that you can address and that you can actually get better and you can become a better person. Well, let, let me tell you, the Bible is a great place to help you with those things because of the principles that are taught there, that were all created by God, that were all created in the image of God. And the best thing that we can do is to treat other people, not just the way we think is best for them, but what they think is best for them. And take that golden rule that we're taught about how to be able to treat people and to treat people with kindness. What a different world it would really be if we did those things. So the Bible has had a huge influence in my life. And so obviously a preacher has to start there. Then after I became a Christian, someone very kind 
Now, Wendy Clayton gave me that Bible I could understand, the Living Bible. It was a green leatherette edition. And uh, then someone gave me a book by a man named Zig Ziglar. And that book was called See You at the Top. And when I read See You at the Top, this is why this, this is so important right here. It was the first book that I ever read about personal growth. And again, if you ask me, in your years of observing people, 45 years as a pastor, uh, years working with different groups of people on leaderships, whether it's in athletics, whether it was in music, uh, politics, all of those different areas, what sets apart some people versus other people when it comes to them staying strong mentally, uh, physically, everything else? What is it that sets those people apart? And the idea is that they're committed to personal growth. Uh, just like they're committed to personal growth for their physical body, they're committed to personal growth for their mind. And what exercise is for a body, books are that for the mind. It's a way for you to be able to exercise your mind. So I had never read a book on personal growth in my life. And so here I am, I'm almost 23 years old. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life because when I was barely 17 years old, I flunked out of college. I actually did that in record time. And so I flunked out of college. I've got no real direction for my life about what I'm going to do, about how I'm going to do things. And someone was kind enough to say, you might like to read this book. And of course, the, the book, uh, it had a different title in those days. But the title that it goes by today is See You at the Top. And when I read See You at the Top, I learned how to set goals. I, I started taking on a personal plan for personal development. And isn't it crazy that we'll, we'll get a personal plan for our physical body, but so many times we don't for our spiritual side of our being, and we don't for our mental side and emotional side of our being, develop a plan that's going to help us to be able to grow because the world is going to change. No, no doubt about it. And as it changes, it's getting more complex. And how do you handle complexity? Because you can get better as well. Well, the world doesn't have to just be the only one that gets better. You can get better. And so for me, see you at the top was that book. And because of that book, I set a goal. And my goal was to be able to go back to the place of my greatest failure. And here's one of those principles that the Bible teaches. Uh, your point of departure from God will be your point of return to God. My point of departure from finding out God's will for my life was really when I flunked out of college and I gave up and I just thought, well, loading trucks, doing that, uh, you know, is just going to be my life. And that's all that I'm going to do. And the thought of going back to college was horrific to me because I made bad grades all the way through high school. And we verified that by my college opportunity at 17. And that ended so quickly. And I've even had people try to be nice to me about it. And they'll say, well, I, you probably weren't trying. Yeah, I was. I was trying as hard as I could. And it was in the middle of the Vietnam War. So yeah, I, I was trying to be able to stay in school and uh, to be able to get an education. But I just was not prepared emotionally and mentally to be able to take on that challenge. 
And so here I am years later, I've had this faith experience. I've been in the work world for a few years and I'm seeing what that is like. Now read this book that tells me that I can change my life and that I can get to the top of that wall. And here I've developed this mentor through reading named Zig Ziglar and it changed the entire dynamic for me. And so I end up uh, going to college and the first goal that I ever set Zig will take you through goal setting and he'll tell you, number one, you've got to identify the goal and you've got to state it in a positive fashion. So here was my very first goal. My first goal was I'm going to go to college and in four years I will have a BA degree, a Bachelor of Arts degree in four years. That was the goal. So the next thing you have to do after stating it is what are going to be the obstacles that are going to keep you from this goal? And you should list out, what are those obstacles? I had a lot. Number one was I had something called a transcript. And that, that was just not good at all. And so the transcript was going to hold me back because I'd already fucked out. My high school grades were going to uh, hold me back because I was a C and D student. And, and I had no money to be able to go to school. And I was actually changing jobs and going from being a disc jockey and I was going to become a janitor in a church so that I could actually go to school and, and be a, a youth minister as well. And so that, that was what I set out. And I had a lot of obstacles. So here, here's the deal. Say you've got, you know, six obstacles on there. Then you better come up with 12 benefits to doing this goal. Because if the benefits do not outweigh the obstacles two to one, you'll never buy into it. Your brain will never buy into it. You'll give up. The first speed bump that comes along, then you'll just give up and you'll throw in the towel. So make sure that you're listing out what, what are your benefits. And then Zig would say, and then you need to start making a list of who are the people who can help you to be able to accomplish this goal. You know, are there different things that, that you could do? And then at the very end, uh, he would tell you in the last step, you need to timeline it. You need to write down, when is this gonna happen? And so for me, it was four years uh, to be able to graduate from college with that BA degree. Now, because of the time factor today, uh, I'm just gonna tell you real quick, it didn't take me four years to graduate from college because I ended up going year round and because I went year round, I got ahead of the curve and I ended up graduating in two years and one quarter and I graduated magna cum laude. Now you have to understand, I would have settled for Lordy have mercy uh, to be able to, to graduate from college, but I graduated with that degree because I found out that I could keep growing. You know, it was like it was almost built into my head because no one in my family had ever been to college that if you could graduate high school, you had reached your maximum potential achievement level. And so it took a book to stretch my mind in personal growth to go, you know what? I, I could do things differently. And then while I was there at Mercer, there's an incredible lady named Dr. Jean Hendricks that intersected with my life. And Dr. Hendricks knew my story and basically allowed me to come into Mercer University on her name, which was miraculous in itself. And she challenged me then. She said, I, I want you to challenge yourself to read one book a week. 
I want you to challenge yourself to read one book a week. And I took up that challenge, and for years now, I've kept that challenge. And let me tell you, sometimes it gets difficult, especially in these days of Zoom call because your eyes are so worn out from blue light that then you're going to pick up a book and you're going to read it. But it, it influenced my life. Plus, she recommended a book to me that would go on my list. She recommended me a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And that book helped to change my life. There was one key phrase that he used in the book that I can't tell you how many times I've hung on to that phrase. And, and he makes this statement. He says, the last human freedom that you and I have is our ability to be able to choose our attitude in any given set of circumstances. I want you to ponder that. The last human freedom that I have is my ability to choose my attitude in any given set of circumstances. So Victor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, that helped to change my life because another reader, Gene Hendricks, told me this would be something good for you to do. And then on my own, I discovered right after college a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People written by Stephen Covey. And, you know, I had the privilege of sitting in a live uh, class with Stephen Covey <clears throat> over a couple of days as he took us through the seven habits of highly effective people. And there's so many great things that are there, but one of the biggest is he always says, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Now, here's how I use that phrase in my own life. I talk about that when we're going through times, like we're going through the pandemic right now, you want to be able to live right now through the pandemic the way you want to be able to tell your story later. So you begin with the end in mind and you, and you make sure that you're living your story right now the way you want to be able to tell it later. The same thing's true when you go through a catastrophe in your life. Make yourself think about how do I need to act right now so that when I tell the story later, I don't have to change a thing. I don't have to embellish anything and I don't have to downplay it, but I can be authentic and true. That will change the way that you approach things in your life. I promise you. If you just start with that, and again, it goes back to his principle, you begin with the end in mind, except I'm just saying that you're going to tell your, you're going to live your story right now the way you want to be able to tell it later. And, and then, of course, he says, you know, put the first things first. That's all about prioritizing. And, and he says uh, around that principle Stephen Covey does, the challenge is not to manage time, but it's to manage ourselves. And in order to manage ourselves, we must put first things first. And we must have the discipline to be able to prioritize. Now, get this, the day-to-day -day actions based on What's the most important versus what's the most urgent? Urgent things will rob you of things that really have a greater impact in your life. Uh, a folksy way of saying that is a squeaky wheel gets the grease. But what it does is it leaves you in a bad situation. So, you, you know, you've got to be able to do that. Uh, another great challenge that he gives in the book as a principle is seek to understand and then be understood. 
rather than always just trying to make sure everybody understands your viewpoint, why don't you seek to understand the other person? So rather than getting someone to your viewpoint, you get both of you to a point where you can view from. That's the way to start conversations. That's a way to, to make a difference. Well, Zig Ziglar, huge influence in my life. Gene Hendricks, huge influence in my life. And this third person I met because of Zig Ziglar, and that's John Maxwell. And John is such a prolific bestseller. Uh, I could do probably a year and a half's worth of weekly programs and not get through John's bestsellers. So you might say, well, which book do you think is his best? Well, from my personal taste, it's the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And I don't think 21 is a magical number, but it's so many good things that he has there. So many principles. You know, the principle like the law of the lid. And that states basically that there's a lid or a limit to our potential and, and it determines our leadership ability. So as we grow our abilities as a leader, we automatically grow our ability to impact the world. And if our leadership stagnates, in other words, we, we get this artificial lid, then so does our ability to make a bigger impact. And if you're someone that's saying, well, I want to grow my influence because we live in a day and age of influencers. That's, you know, that has actually become a job now to be an influencer, just like a gamer is a job now for many people uh, in their lives. And so your law of the lid is when you're not growing as an individual. Uh, your law of the lid might be when you think that you know it all. And if you think you know it all, I can assure you that you've got a lot more growing to do. Again, true learning and true power is not in the hands of the learned, but it's in the people that are learning. Also, John has in that book, uh, The Law of Solid Ground. Uh, I've taught seminars just on The Law of Solid Ground. I, I am uh, a certified John Maxwell trainer. I was in the very first class that John put together and he invited me to come in to be a part of that class. And boy, was that time well spent. And one of the things I did out of that was I took the law of solid ground. Now, let me tell you what the law of solid ground really is about. It's about having solid character. That's the law of solid ground. Living with integrity, living with authenticity, living with discipline in your life. And, and here's why. Because trust is the foundation of leadership. It is earned or it isn't. And character is the true wellspring of trust for your life. And we build our character by being scrupulously honest, even when it hurts. Um, I was uh, talking to a, a reporter recently, and we were talking about a situation that I'm involved in. And I talked about the fact that when it comes to leaders and their character, that character is a lot easier kept than it ever is regained. You know that you do the right things and you make sure that you continue to do the right things because the law of solid ground says that you've got to be authentic and that being authentic starts with yourself and with everyone else and not pretending to be something that you are when you're not. And, and so discipline like that makes all the difference in the world. So the 21 laws of irrefutable 
Leadership by John Maxwell and anything else John Maxwell has written. And in the spiritual world, I would say the same thing about Max Licato. Uh, absolutely amazing. If you want some deeper dives intellectually, Tim Keller is a great writer in the spiritual world that will certainly challenge you. And uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, another writer of, of another generation that is absolutely amazing. And then um, if, if you're, maybe you've got a company and, and you're trying to put something together uh, with a company, then I'd tell you to read a book called The Leadership Challenge by James Coons, K-O-U-Z-E-S, and Barry Posner, P-O-S-N-E-R. They were professors at the University of Southern California School of Business. And that particular book taught me more about values, mission, and vision, and how to implement them than any other leadership book that I've ever read when it comes to putting together a team, putting together an organization, and making sure that you're doing it in a fair and balanced way so that your organization has sustainability. Because when you try to fund your organization, whether you're a 501c3 or whether you're for-profit and you're asking for people to invest in you, one of the first questions is going to be about sustainability. Is this sustainable? And so that book will help you to be able to get there. And then the book that I'm going to close with right here is one that uh, is the best book that I've read in probably 20 years. And that book was called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Brilliant, brilliant book that is not just what you're going to do, and it's not just how you're going to do it, but it's why. And he says every great organization, he calls it the golden circle. So just imagine three concentric circles. On the outside is what you're going to do. On the inside is a little more technical. It's how we're going to do this. And then the center bullseye is why. He said most organizations work from the outside in. But he says great organizations work from the inside out. They tell you exactly why they're going to do what they're going to do. So right now in your life, if you're trying to determine what you're going to do, you're trying to find out God's will for your life, maybe the coronavirus has eradicated your particular area of expertise in a business and they downsize, then here's an opportunity for you to start new. And if you just pick up the phone and call me and said, I, I just, I just want to be able to determine why, <clears throat> then I would tell you, get that book, start with why. It, it is absolutely phenomenal and it will give you so much guidance. So, you know, the, these are books that have meant the world to me. And all of these authors have, have written more than one. And I, I wish I could uh, recommend you a book that Jean Hendricks uh, uh, has written, but she was so busy being an educator and being personally involved in students' lives that she never got around to writing that book. So I guess her book would be me. That if you want to read what she thinks, uh, you can look at the way I've tried to live my life, uh, the things that I'm involved with, uh, with uh, a homeless shelter, and being able to build something new to be able to help uh, people that are finding themselves living out of their cars and under bridges. Um, all of what I do there, there's not a day goes by that I do not think of her. And when you're trying to determine your why, 
Here's the last thing I'll leave you with. Name who your three biggest heroes are, other than family members. Name who your three biggest heroes are, and then answer the question, why? See, my three biggest heroes, you heard about. Gene Hendricks, Zig Ziglar, John Maxwell, and they've helped to change my life. So remember, the books you read, the people you meet, the books you read are going to influence your life more than anything else after your formal education. And hey, make sure you're traveling. So now I want to ask you to do me a favor. I haven't asked this on any of the podcasts. And so the good folks at uh, Supreme who sponsor this said that I need to do this. Would you go online and give us a five-star review? That makes a big difference. Just take the time, uh, you know, to, to go to your app and go and give us that five-star review. We would appreciate it so much. And then would you take this broadcast and would you share it on your social network, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter? I think I just created something new. Uh, Facebook. Maybe that's going to be the next hot ticket right there. Uh, And also, here's something else I would love to know from you. I would love to know what book or books have helped to shape your life. Because I'm always looking for a way to get new books. Years ago, the Atlanta Journal read, read a story about me and how much I read. And after that story ran, it was amazing how many free books that I got. I'd love to know what are the books that are influencing your life. So just tweet me at Ike, I-K-E-E, Reichard, R-E-I-G-H-A-R-D, and tell me what book has helped to shape your life. Hey, good to be with you today. Keep on reading, leaders. We need all the help that we